Welcome back to The Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hale. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. We've just finished a study on the book of Galatians, and we're getting ready to start uh, a study on the book of Esther, but I wanted to take these three days at the end of this week uh, to look at my favorite story in the Bible, David and Goliath. I could literally spend hours upon hours teasing out incredible things from this story. I've studied this passage more than really any other any other story in the Bible because it is my favorite passage. So but we're going to take the next few days and look at the story of David and Goliath because I think it's often a misunderstood, misinterpreted, and therefore misapplied story. Now, we're not going to take the time to read through all 58 verses of 1 Samuel 17, but I would encourage you to do that so that you kind of have the story in your head over the next few days to read through the story. It's familiar, but there's details that uh, that you've probably forgotten. So take a minute and go read through that. So let me, before we get started, let me pray for us and then we'll jump in. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for these incredible stories that help us understand the gospel that, that you have worked out in history, these wonderful pictures of what it is that Christ has done. We ask that your spirit would be with us, that we might be strengthened. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. So the story of David and Goliath is an often, often misunderstood story. It, it typically gets interpreted in, a, in you know, one of a handful of ways or typically may not be fair commonly gets interpreted in one of a handful of ways. Uh, one way is to kind of exemplify this, uh, you know, David and Goliath story, you know, th this underdog story. In fact, uh, a popular writer named Malcolm Gladwell, who is he's not a biblical scholar, I don't even know that he's a believer, but he wrote an entire book on David and Goliath, arguing that, that essentially it is a, an underdog story. And it's all about how underdogs really, if they're shrewd, have the advantage. Well, you know, that's just not what's going on here. I'm, I'm sorry, Malcolm, your book's great. It's fun to read. You're a phenomenal writer, great communicator. Not really at all what David and Goliath is about. This isn't teaching underdogs how to, how to prevail. It's not even giving an example of that. Uh, so, no, it's not that. And, and we hear this, you know, in in sports, it's the David and Goliath story when the little school shows up to, to play the big school, all those kinds of things. The, the other way that we commonly hear this uh, story interpreted and used is an example of faith. That, that if we, like David, just have faith, then we too can slay the giants in our lives. That, that, that we should dare to be a David and go out and slay the giants in our lives because after all, God is with us. Now, here's the problem with this interpretation. One, we should have faith. We should trust God. We, we should emulate David in that way. Of course we should have faith. We're commanded everywhere to have faith. However, that's just not the point of this story. See, what that's doing is when we read this story and say, oh, this is about us having faith, we're making ourselves the hero. This isn't a story about us being the hero and saving ourselves or being the hero and trusting God. Or No, no, no. This is a story about God sending his chosen hero to save his people. 
That's what this story is about. And that's how we need to interpret this story. So I've just given away really what this story is all about then, haven't I? But nonetheless, let's jump in. If we read through the story, let me set the scene of, of what's going on here. The, the, the Israelites and the Philistines are gathered for battle in the valley of Elah. And there, there, there's this valley and the you know Israelites are up on one side, the Philistines are up on the other side. And every day, this giant named Goliath comes down and trash talks the Israelites. Every day, it says for 40 days, he comes down and says, picking up in verse 8, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. So that's what was going on. Now, the next story gives, or the next line, the next verse gives us a summary of Israel's response. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. All right, so there's the problem. There, there's if, if you're wanting to find yourself in the story, by the way, there's us right there. We're faced with this, you know, giant here. The Israelites are faced with this giant that they know they can't kill. And, and he is trash talking them day after day after day. There, there's obviously significance to 40 days, 40 days in the wilderness. You get it. But here's this Goliath. And notice what he's trying to do with his trash talking. He's, he's offering a redefinition of who Israel will be. Okay, now you may miss this, but when he's using this language of, if he is able to fight me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. See, back then everything was a religious war. Everything was kind of a, a covenant renegotiation, if you want to put it in those terms. And that's what Goliath was doing. He was saying, if, if we fight and I win, then our God wins. So your God is out of the picture. So then you become our servants. And the other way around, he was willing to, to play the game the other way as well. He was offering a, a new narrative by which Israel would have to think about themselves. That's what's happening here. He's trying to redefine Israel's suzerain to no longer be Yahweh, to no longer be the God of the covenant with Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob, to no longer be the God of the, the covenant with Moses, but to be the Philistines. The Philistines would be their suzerain. That would be who they served. And therefore, as we're going to see later in the story, they would serve their gods. That's what's going on here. It's a redefinition of who Israel is is, and their king can't compete. Now, why? Well, for this, we have to go back in the story. Israel had 
wanted a king, a king like the other nations around them. And so they picked Saul according to, to you know, what they wanted. Head and shoulders above the rest, handsome, fighter, all of these things. He seemed like he's the king that can do the job, that can deliver us. And he was really, he was only ever told to kill one people, the Philistines. That, that was the enemy that he was to be focused on. And he never does that. His son, Jonathan, defeats the Philistines. And so, of course, Saul, as the king, gets credit for it. But Saul never led a successful campaign against the Philistines. So here he is standing before the Philistines, and some things have gone down since he was anointed king. He had, he had wandered away from Yahweh. And, and he had, you know, sought mediums and, and you know, necromancers to, to bring up the dead to help him understand what to do. And God had rejected him as king. And, and God had, had told him, I'm going to reject you and I'm going to put somebody better in your place. I mean, how is that for just the most honest exit interview ever? But that's what had gone down. But Saul was still functioning as king. Now, if we go back just a few chapters. In chapter 15 is where we see that God has rejected Saul as king. And then in chapter 16, David is anointed as king. So we're, we're in this position. We're in this position where there, there's kind of two kings. Now, nobody seems to know that David was anointed by Samuel to be king, this youngest son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. But, but in fact, that's what has happened. And so we're in this scene, Saul, who has been rejected by God as king, can't lead the battle against this one who is wanting to redefine who Israel is. He's wanting to redefine their relationship, give them a new narrative to believe about themselves. Saul has already forgotten the true narrative. He has already, we're told back in chapter 15, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. See, Saul had turned away from the narrative that God had given Israel. And, and so he couldn't lead according to that anymore. He had forgotten who he was, and he had led Israel to forget who they were. And so all of a sudden, they're left before this proposition of being redefined as servants of the Philistines, and they can do nothing about it. So often, I mean, this is a common story, right? This is where we find ourselves when, when we don't know who we are in God and, and, and something, when we don't know who we are in Christ and something shows up and says, hey, let me give you this as your hope, security, and identity, we don't know how to respond to it. We, we need, like the Israelites needed, a, a king to step in. They needed this other king, David, who had been anointed by Yahweh as the king, according to Yahweh's heart, they needed that king to show up and remind them and lead them according to who they actually were, the people of God. That's what they needed. And that's exactly what we need in our sin. We need a king to show up and lead us 
because we're hearing these stories about who we are. We're hearing all these narratives trying to define who we are, and none of them fit with what the Bible has said about us. But in our sin, we, we have forgotten the story. And, and so none of them fit, but, but we don't know how to respond to any of it either. Because what, what we need is a king that knows the story and that can lead, that knows the promises of God and that can lead, that, that knows who God is and what he has said that he would do for his people and can lead that way. And that's exactly who David is. That's the king that God provides. We'll look at that tomorrow. Until then, continue to set your eyes on God's king that you might walk in his victory. Amen.